Blog Talk Radio. today. Kind of interesting. A couple of interesting items. One of them is this ongoing thing that, well, dude, Charlo's big. Like, he's a big dude. So, you know, like, I didn't I didn't realize he was so tall. He's going to be taller than Canelo. And it's like, well, yeah, dude, like, to be fair, most of the guys that Canelo fights, you know, are bigger than him and taller than him. Um, and Canelo, just a reminder, at, at 168, Canelo's not beating people because of his size. It's because of his skill. Um, so, yeah, he's going to have the reach, is Jermel Charlo. He's going to have the reach. He's going to have the height. Um, but, yeah, that's not a big shocker. I thought a, a lot of people... They're like, wow, man, I can't believe it. You know, it's like, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's not a huge surprise. But anyway, um, we are going to start in the ring. Um, you know, we had a really a fun fight, fun, fun main event on ESPN. Um, Emmanuel Navarrete does it again. I, I can't pick this guy. To save my life. I, I'm pretty sure I picked Dogbo against him. Um, not that I... I don't I don't think I picked anybody... Huh, I'd have to go back. Maybe I picked him to get outboxed. I can't remember. But I definitely... That's hilarious. Someone's already messaged me about that. I, I'm not saying I, I, I picked against him this last week. And that's my point. There's certain fighters that you just don't predict well. Just it, it just happens. I mean, when you've been doing predictions on record, by the way, not just, oh, what I thought, when I, in 2013, I thought this. Well, you have, like, you have, you know, 
you have record of it. And I've been doing it from 2009. So it's been a while. My point is, not only did I get my prediction wrong, which I thought it was going to be a competitive fight either way, you know, and it was competitive, but it was a clear win. I don't agree with 10 or 11 rounds, you know, winning by that much, but I don't agree with it could have went either way. Let's see the rematch. I wouldn't be opposed to the rematch, but I don't think the fight needs a rematch. My point is, I got two out of my three bets wrong on this one. Whereas uh, in June, I picked Taylor, but I got a nice plus number and won the most money I could have possibly won on that fight because Tiafima Lopez was the underdog and I put some money on him. Even like the Crawford, right? The Crawford Spence. I, I, I won two out of my three bets on that one. Uh, now I picked against Crawford, uh, you know, prediction-wise, uh, on the show. But this one I got, I got wrong. Like I said, I got a plus, what was it, plus 180, I think it was, um, underdog. So that hit. So I didn't, you know, lose a bunch of money. Not like I put a bunch of money on this stuff, you know. I don't, I don't put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars on a individual fight. But, yeah, I, I definitely got it wrong. Um, so shots out to Navarrete. Um, he just he just got this awkward style that is effective, and it, it actually was effective earlier than I thought. I did think Oscar Valdez was looking for the left hand way too much early in the fight. He started to find the left hand, but it took him even a few rounds once he started to land it to land the left hand clean. Um, and he wasn't trying to win the rounds early in the fight enough, you know. You're obviously going to get out-volumed by him, <laughs> you know. I mean, he threw another thousand punches here. But you gotta, you can't just rely on the left hook. And I did think he would up-jab more. I thought he'd be moving. It was just kind of like he was stuck in between for a good chunk of the fight. And that's not all just him. I'm not saying, well, had he had done this, had he had done that more, you know, in the rounds he won, however many rounds you gave him, sure, he could have won some more rounds, but that's not to say, oh, he would have won eight to four or something like that for sure, you know. Uh, but I did think Valdez was kind of just looking for his left hand way too much, way too early. He wasn't allowing Navarrete to come to him for a while, you know. And then, like I said, he was stuck in no man's land. He's stuck in the middle, and you can't be stuck in the middle against that guy. You just can't. And if you're going to go inside, you got to – he did a pretty good job of upper body movement. you got to really get inside on him, and you got to use that jab and duck under and then get up in there, pause, and then, you know, go to work or whatever. But credit to, to Emmanuel, man. He, uh, he did his thing. He did his thing. And it's not that I've always, like, doubted him majorly or something like that. I just I just think someone's fine. Oh, everyone can get beat, obviously. That's pretty basic. But I just – I thought he would have been beaten at this level by now. I got to admit. Um, 
So, you know, credit to him. We'll talk about the undercard. Of course, AJ um, took care of business. Took him a little while, but he did it. Um, You know, is Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder really going to fight in January? Um, I don't know if it's going to be January. I I do think it'll be 2024, but I, I don't know for a fact if it's January. Nobody knows for a fact, right? But that's obviously what they're shooting for, January. I've heard a little February, too. I still think it's going to happen, but we'll see. And now you have Wilder because he couldn't close the fight with Ruiz. Now is he going to get a quick fight in? I mean, they have to announce that puppy pretty soon. Um, I've heard a little rumblings about something. But I'm not quite sure if that's true. Um, But either way, um, it's not ideal to be out of the ring for what would be at the time if it wasn't January. It'd be well over a year. You're looking at about 15 months because he fought, what, last October by the time they fight in January. Anyway, we'll talk about that. And then we'll, you know, wrap up the showtime. We had some quick knockouts. What I thought was a great, like, prospect fight ended quickly for Marshall. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk about that, you know, that card as well. And then, you know, it's a, it's a fairly light prospect-driven weekend. So we'll kind of preview it. We're not going to go too um, too deep into it. Hopefully, there's some you know some prospects get tested on paper. There are some that should, um, but you know how it is on paper. Sometimes you look at, you look at the odds or whatever. Shit, look at Trayvon Marshall odds, and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, hold on. Um, this is a much better fight than the plus seven or nine hundred. Uh, someone was an underdog. So we'll definitely talk about that. Um, lightly, though, we're going to do kind of a, a, a preview of the weekend type thing. We're not going to go through, break down, you know, multiple fights and predict and all that. Like I said, hopefully we get some good uh, recap and some detail off of it. Um, and then, you know, there's a variety of stuff uh, to talk about. We have Jesus Ramos and Richardson Hitchens stepping up to the plate. As far as competition, really excited about those fights. Like I said, some little quotes from the Canelo Charlo presser today. Um, I mean, the freaking, you know, Terrence Bud Crawford uh, victory lap continues. This is like a victory marathon now. He's done a couple more shows. And then to top it off, the hometown, thousands and thousands of people came out for a parade in Omaha, which is really dope. But it just kind of shows you, you know, places we all know, like Ohio, and, and we don't even have to talk about the history coming out of Michigan. But there's just something about the Midwest that people, it just matters more to them, you know? And especially like a place like Nebraska, that's why the Cornhuskers, you know, Nebraska, even though they've been struggling for years, they're still going to put butts in that seat, you know, because, they, like I said, they don't have a pro, a major pro team. He is the pro team, him in Nebraska. So that, that shit was nice, dude. That was really cool. And, of course, Shakur had to, you know, hold the net. No, I'm just playing. But, um, yeah, I think people went a little overboard on that, by the way. I got some messages a second ago. Funny, 
<laughs> that's what it says. But, yeah, I mean, I think people went a little overboard on that. Um, of course Shakur was going to be there. What, what was not going to be there? Like, come on, dude. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I I just think it's great, man. It is – it's fun. I'm really glad that he's getting, you know, all this attention now. He definitely deserves it. And, uh, yeah, we'll see uh, – we'll see – where it goes. All right. So, um, you can really tell that people don't actually do predictions. The funny shit that I'm getting, it is, is funny. Anyway, we'll talk a little variety of stuff. Um, the Gervonta Davis, Bud Crawford, speaking of Bud Crawford stuff is getting a little out of hand. Um, especially, and this is like a perfect, no context to it. Let's just hear, you know, whatever. Let's just cut the tape right after he says it, and let's not pay attention. Let's not – this is even before this – way before the Spunts fight. But it is funny now on social media, and really in, in, in political news and all that shit, um, what people want to hear, and they just don't care if someone says something right after it. And this is this instance, Gervonta said something about his chin, and he'll knock him out in six or whatever. And uh, he said, just kidding, you know. Um, we'll talk a little bit about it, though. Don't get me wrong. It would be a major fight if it happened. The casual fans would definitely jump on that. It's just uh, it's funny what people will spread as news, per se, and not not tell the whole picture. That's the big thing. Um, speaking of fights, Shakur Stevenson, who, you know, has been uh, in the limelight lately, uh, I guess on a, a smaller scale limelight. I guess he wants to be in the limelight, right? But Bob Arum had some interesting sin in his um, near future. Let's put it that way. Also, Benavides and Andre. Uh, things are looking good when it comes to that. We did get a little bit more information. This comes from Aid Side Boxing Talk um, as far as what happened with the Benavides and Munguia fight. Munguia. So, which is pretty disappointing, but you know, maybe just maybe it, it could happen, you know, in the future. I, I don't know. I, I actually doubt it. But who knows? You know, who knows? So, yeah, we'll definitely talk a variety of stuff here today. Um, of course, you know, we like to start in the ring, and we will in just a second. But if this is your first time listening to the Rope Adobe Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Adobe Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope Adobe and download the show directly there. That's cool. If you do, though, if not, you can find the Rope Dope Radio podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Google Podcasts, and a host of other um, platforms. And just so you know, in a couple of weeks, football starts, as we know, right, preseason, we're starting to see more and more of. We got the college ball show that covers, obviously, college football, and then I do have a local Minnesota podcast if you're interested in some Minnesota Viking stuff. Maybe some betting stuff will help you out there too. We definitely talk a lot of betting when it comes to the college ball show. Anyway, 
While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com, Eastside Boxing, Phil Boxing, and one more thing, DirecTV, your TV, your way, live sports, news, and on demand. There's no annual contracts, no hidden fees. The big thing right now is to lock in your price for two years. This is a limited time. You know how they do the limited times. It starts at $64.99, okay? Um, they still have, you know, a, a variety of other specials going on, too, but this is a big one right now. You can lock your price in for two full years. Check it out. Direct TV stream. Try to lock it in. Gotta, you got to lock it in. Anyway, um, all right, Navarrete and Veldez, right? Like I said, Veldez was, was hunting with the left hand too early. It took him a while to land it, and once he started landing it, the shit wasn't all that clean, you know? And he did start to land it later, but I thought he was sh- he should be more focused on other shit rather than just trying to land that left hand. Because uh, he has other skills, and you needed it in order to mess with this Emmanuel, and either in order to contain this dude, Emmanuel. Um, so you had, you know, a few body shots, some jabs out of Valdez. I did give Navarrete. He was throwing his own jab. Uh, he closed that round a little stronger. Those looping right hands, the left hooks. You know, with distance, he's got this weird stuff where he can take steps to the side. He can, he can, he can move his head a little bit. He just does this nuanced, small little stuff that just makes him not only awkward offensively, but he is a little bit better at times than you think um, as far as range. He, he really is. He's got a very interesting style. Anyway, I did give Veldez the round two. I still think, like I said, jab more. I wrote it down right here. He's missing his damn left hook. But I thought down the stretch, actually early in the round and late in the round, I thought he was jabbing a little bit more. He followed it up with some good rounds. Um, and then it seemed like Navarrete was the one missing in that round. I gave him the third, though, Navarrete. Um, he closed better once again. Um, and don't get me wrong. Valdez did a pretty good job of blocking shots and defending himself, pivoting and circling. But then he got caught with the big right hand and left hook, and that was that round. I gave Navarrete a close fourth round. Um I thought he, you know, he, he closed stronger again. He did some good, you know, work um, in the early minute or whatever. And you can see Valdez at, t- at times was trying to push him back, which I thought that is, was a key to the fight. You got to push him back sometimes. But, yeah, he just, he's, like I said in my notes right here in the fourth round, he's just stuck in between. It's like he just, he couldn't find his range. And like I said, it's not easy to find your range against this guy. I definitely wouldn't say that. Um, but yeah, um, Valdez to me, uh, landed a big left hook, some, uh, good upper body movement. Once again, circling, he kept resetting. Um, you know, he, and I thought he need, that was another thing. He needed to land punches and then reset land punches, reset, you know, rinse and repeat. 
Uh, the last 30 seconds or so, Navarrete did land a really good flurry, but I think, to me, he was missing his combinations enough where he wasn't that effective. I gave Valdez the fifth. The sixth round, I thought, I thought the sixth and seventh were really, really close. I, I think he could give it to either guy. So I, got, I gave Valdez the sixth. I thought, you know, those left hooks finally started landing to the head and body, and he was moving pretty well. Um, and this is when I, was it the sixth round or in the middle of the sixth or seventh? I can't, I can't remember, but Navarrete did talk, you know, to his corner and he, you could tell his hand was a little hurt or whatever, but, um, I think he still had a good sixth round though. I gave him the seventh. Um, I just, it was close, but once again, he just keeps on the pressure and when, it's a close round, and someone keeps closing stronger on average. Even though you could say Valdez in the seventh round, two-way round, no doubt. He landed probably the overall cleaner shots, but did he land enough of them? That's a good question. Now, I thought the tide was turning all the way in the eighth and ninth because you could see Valdez managed to slow the pace, and he started landing better. And he, at times, was up, you know, on the attack behind the, the jab, and then he'd get on the defense. And, and whereas Navarrete seemed like he started missing a little too much. Um, I thought the 10th round was another competitive round. The last minute, especially, several exchanges overall. Um, it, it seemed like the first minute, minute and a half or whatever, Navarrete, and then, like I said, that last little part of that round, he probably did enough. I gave it to him. Um, and, and by that time, the right eye was his right eye, right? Uh, Beldez, it was swelling really, really horribly. I mean, really. And even looking at that 10th round, um, as far as punches landed, 32 to 23. Out of, so, so Navarrete, 32 out of 128. <laughs> um, now, that's 25% compared to 23 out of 51, 45%. And there were some rounds here that I think people were just kind of scoring. Yeah, that's another one for Navarrete. Look at how busy he is, you know. And there is such a thing as being the more effective puncher and the better, cleaner shots, right? Now, like I said, I'm not making an argument for a draw or seven rounds for Valdez or whatever. Um, I personally, I don't, I wouldn't give him more than five. I think four or five for Valdez is fine. Like I said, I also don't think he only won two. I saw plenty of scorecards, including the real scorecards, that I thought were a little funky. But no matter what, whether you gave Oscar, you know, the tenth or not, Navarrete, the eleventh and twelfth. He actually started using that little step back move and step to the side, but he was also doing his, you know, throwing his jab, but also leaping with those left left hooks. Um, just, uh, you know, just out punching him, out landing him at that point, too. Um, and Valdez, you know, he had his moments, but I, I thought that it was funny because, like I said, especially in that last round, he was, Navarrete was using the step backs and countering with both hands. It was pretty impressive. Um, so, yeah, I had it about 8-4, to 7-5. to five. 
Um, I I couldn't go draw personally. Um, I guess the closest I could do is like I don't believe you could go six five one like I like I say either. I, I think seven to five, eight to four is fine. Um, I, I like I said, I just don't have six rounds to give them. Like I said, maybe six five one if you really want to bend all the way over to pause to uh to help out Valdez there. I don't know. I, I definitely didn't have him winning the fight. Or or a draw. Um two sixteen to one forty as far as punches landed. A thousand thirty eight to four thirty six. And now twenty one percent what was it, twenty one percent or twenty six percent? I think it's twenty one percent to thirty two percent. Um yeah, two sixteen Considering you threw over a thousand punches, it's not the best landing rate, right? But he kept going and going and going. I was fine with the eight to four, one sixteen, one twelve. Not a big fan of the one nineteen, one oh nine. Did not see that at all. And I didn't even see nine to three personally. Um one eighteen uh or or ten to two. Um one eighteen 110. I thought they were wide. Um, it is one of those fights where you're like, eh, it doesn't bug you as much because, well, hey, the right guy won, but it doesn't matter. In boxing, we always get something, you know? But yeah, I don't I, I don't know how anybody thought. I, I just didn't see a draw. Um, Good-ass fight, but yeah, I didn't see a draw. I didn't see a, a draw. Like I said, I, I thought it was a uh, even if I went with that seven to five, let's say, it's still like a clean seven to five. Like you couldn't flip it. A lot of times you're in that seven to five either range, you know. And like I said, a lot of this stuff does play into quote unquote what you like, right? And a lot of people like a lot of different stuff. You know what I mean? So you can, you know, sometimes, like I said, you can get a little lost in that. Um, there's plenty of fights really for both of them at 130. Um, speaking of Shakur Stevenson, he said, Hey, I, I'd fight a catch weight with them. If he wants to come 35, that's cool. I'd fight him. Um, I think they're going to do that next. I would be pretty surprised personally. Um, and you got a guy with the belt at 130. Like I said, there's some good fights there. I uh, I don't see that fight happening next. I don't think that's going to be something that they'll uh, they'll look to make next. I mean, he just fought, you know, so that 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 plays into it, obviously. But yeah, I just don't. I don't know. I just I don't see it now. Oshaki Foster. You know, you got Hector Luis Garcia. Both those guys have fights. You got Cordina. Um, I will say this, Albert Bell looked pretty damn good. He scored a knockout. I think that was in Canada, right? He was kind of clowning on him. He knocked him down and was clowning on him a little bit, dancing. Not a little bit, he was. Um, but he is the second-ranked WBO. Now, I don't think he has a Mando or anything, but I guess you could say that might be a fight there. Um, I don't know. You know, there are, like I said, there are some other fights out there for him, but I just, I don't know, man. I, I just, for me, I just don't see 
them, um, you know, putting them in with Shakur. And by the way, I mean, what was it like? Ten thousand, over ten thousand folks. They, um, I believe, they opened up. I think Jake Donovan reported that that they opened up the upper deck even. So the tickets sales did good. We don't have an exact number uh, as far as you know. We have a number of tickets sold and whatnot or, or attendance, but we don't have the exact numbers or whatever. But yeah, man, that that was uh, the crowd was into it. Del Delgado and uh, Beltiera, Baltiera. Um, that was a pretty slow fight. I thought Delgado got off to a really good start. After like four or five rounds, he was he almost doubled doubled him up on lands. Uh, actually, I, think I wrote it down someplace here. Uh, Seventy-two to forty. Uh, he looked really good early. There was a lot of knockouts on this card, so you could kind of tell the crowd was getting antsy, you know. And uh, so I'd say Delgado, you know, he had a steady jab um, for the most part. Um, you know, he was containing him, and he just fought at range, you, you know, um Baltiera, you know, he would land his looping shots from time to time. He was also, like, missing widely, you know. But for the most part, he just fought a really smart fight. Um, Like I said, under control, patient, um, and, you know, the cleaner, harder punches all the way. He moved to 18-0, 13 KOs. He could have stepped on the gas, obviously. You know, I think that was... That was pretty evident by watching it. But, um, you know, I understand that wasn't the most exciting outing. But I still thought it was I, – I still thought he did his thing, you know. Um, I, I, thought he, I thought it was a good, good performance. Uh, and I remember what he had that – when it was last year, actually, it's probably about it was sometime in the summer. Like, I don't know, July, let's say, maybe August, maybe June. I think it was July or August against Aguilera. Um, saw a little highlights of Clarence Booth, who, who he fought earlier this year. Um, and obviously, you know, it's not exactly, like I said, a great, <laughs> you know, I thought it was a. I thought it was a really sturdy performance. I can understand, you know, people got bored or whatever. But to me, he looked pretty good. I, I would have liked to seen him step on the gas, though. I'll say that. And then you know, Richard Torres. I, I still just don't see it with him. I, I don't see it with him. We had a Vargas kid. Um, you know, got got rid of him. A lot, lot of quick knockouts for the rest of the card. Um, but yeah, the Torres, you know, I don't know. I just, uh, I just don't, I don't really see it with him. I think he's, he looks like he's fighting like in bar fights. Now, don't get me wrong. One punch, he could knock me out. You know, I'm not saying that. I mean, these minimum weight dudes could do that, but, um, I don't know, man. I just... He gets hit with shots that even on the contender level, 
I, I just don't see it. I just don't. I do not see it whatsoever with him. I just don't. We'll talk about the Showtime card a little bit. There wasn't much in it. Rodriguez had a very sturdy, steady, quality, you know, outing and whatnot. But uh, the card itself, I, I was pumped, actually, to watch um, the uh, Trayvon Martin, uh, what I thought was going to be a, well, it was a big step up, but what I really thought was like, okay, dude, um, my, what is it, my ass, Maestre, Maestre, um, that dude, that one shocked me. That one shocked me. Now I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be a walk in the park or anything like that. And that's why I liked it as a step up fight. I thought he'd go the distance. Um, I, that was the most for the Showtime card. That was the fight I was looking forward to. And wow, I mean that was uh, that was a hell of a performance, no doubt about that. Anyway. Real quick here, Anthony Joshua, I mean, he didn't lose a round. You did see Hellenius come out aggressive early in round one. Um, But, like, AJ was, you know, he was being really cautious. Um, He could have, earlier in the fight, he could have thrown a more meaningful jab more often, I'd say. Um the last part of like in the last minute or whatever, the third round, he did manage to let some shots off with the right hand, the big right hand and whatnot. Um, Hellenius, like in the fourth at times was landing his jab. Um, but yeah, I mean, even when he'd land a lead right hand, AJ or a nice body shot is like, all right, you could follow up on that now, you know? Um, and, you know, I, I did think I liked the jabbing to the chest, the head, the body. I did kind of like that part. But, I mean, by, the, like, the fourth or fifth round, Hellenius was bleeding pretty good. Uh, and AJ was cut up a little bit, but it was mostly jabs that Hellenius was landing. Um, and it was, I mean, that sixth round was really slow until the last part where, uh, you know, AJ threw a little bit more. But that jab, huge right hand knockout, thought it was, you know, obviously a good stoppage. But, um, you know. I don't know. I mean, some people say, oh, man, he should have let his hands go. Look who he's got in front of him, be a little more aggressive. So you could be aggressive and still be smart about it. I mean, he was already throwing his jab. Had he just thrown his jab a little more, like I said, just whatever he was throwing, just a little bit more meaningful, one, and more of it. Um, it, It's not about getting in there and taking somebody out right away or doing it carelessly with your – chin in the air. That's not what I'm saying. You can be active and not leave yourself wide, wide open, you know, and, and it's, you know, I, I always go back to, it's not about throwing 80 or a hundred punches. Like who at heavyweight would throw a hundred punches in a round? I mean, it's very rare nowadays, um, or even 60 or 80, you know, it's very rare nowadays. Um, but so I, I did think he left some meat on the bone, but if in fact, though, if in fact, big capital I, capital F, if in fact Wilder's next, then, you know, take a lot of punishment. He didn't, uh, didn't look all that great, but didn't look all that bad. Like I said, he didn't get cut. He didn't get hurt. He didn't get, 
you know, you didn't get into a brawl where it was kind of silly. I don't know. I, I thought I was kind of like uh, he just he took care of business um, to an extent. Like I said, I would have liked him. I would have liked to seen him step up a little bit more because if you play this type of game with Wilder, I don't think he can win this type of game. I think you have to win the rounds and and out and try to outbox them in your own little way. Everyone's got a way to outbox people. It's not about moving a bunch, you know. Um, it's just about you're a good offensive fighter. And for a big dude that has a lot of muscles, you can be he can he can punch fluid. You know, he's got some fluid fluidity to him. Um, and he's a better offensive fighter um than I think he gets credit for anymore. But he just it seems like well, that old stuck between styles, you know. Um, so I didn't think he looked as bad as some people talked about. But I wouldn't go out there and rave about it, that's for sure. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, the heavyweight undercard. And like I said, a little bit about that showtime. And then we'll get the fight news and preview and all that. Let's go ahead and bring in John into the frame. What's going on, John? How you doing on this fine Tuesday evening, my friend? Chris, how's it going tonight? Uh, quite a bit of action last weekend when, when we were going into it. I thought it might be a type of weekend since you, you started off with a British card in the afternoon and then you had the Showtime card as well as the top-ranked ESPN card. thought it might not be able to catch all of it, but in terms of all the, the main action of the weekend, I did end up being able to catch it. So, uh that that part of it worked out good. Um, figured since you were just talking about Anthony Joshua, probably just as well that I start out there. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was – I agree with you in the sense that, like, I just didn't take much out of it. I, I think people were looking for meaning in a fight that just didn't have – just didn't have much meaning. Uh, a lot of people – were saying afterwards, well, that was the confidence booster that Joshua needed. And I mean, come on. He fought Hellenius. He's 39 years old. He's on six days' notice. Wilder just took the guy out in the first round with one shot. Um, now, does, because Joshua took him out with one shot in the seventh round, does that really mean anything real bad or that uh, Wilder's automatically going to beat him because of that? No. Uh, I do believe, and people say you can't look at any triangle theories. That's not true. You you have to look at triangle theories as part of your analysis, but the part of that you can't do with triangle theories that is true is you, you can't determine – you can't use them to determine definitively who's going to win a fight or not, but you certainly use them. So, you know, you use them in a limited fashion and, and you, you take it for what it's worth in certain situations. Um, and this one, I think that Hellenius going seven, you know, with Joshua and not one with Wilder probably doesn't mean much since they, he went out with one shot both times. But here's the thing that, I think there there were a few examples this weekend. There were two to me. This was the first one of where I think people don't do this enough. 
you always have to be reevaluating and recalibrating the information you do have. And what I'm looking at, which makes it even more of an X factor to me if they do fight next, is for both Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua, what does Hellenius knocking him out for both of them really mean? I think when we recalibrate what information we have, frankly, it now means about nothing. And why I say that is this. Um, I have to recalibrate, and, and I did. Like, you know, I, I thought Adam Konacki, Konacki was better than some other people did. Uh, didn't mean I thought he was going to be an all-time great or even, you know, the lineal champ or something like that. I didn't, but I thought he had developed the look of a legit top 10 guy and that was what he was on the cusp of when he fought Hellenius the first time. But let, let's look at Kanatsky now, especially since that Ariola fight where they both were at about a record for punches. Um, I think you've got to now look at Kanatsky in two ways. Either he took so many shots with his style, even going up through a guy like Ariola where he got the win, but they both landed just a ton of shots on each other, basically just about an all heavyweight record. Uh, at, he, he was actually done already after that fight. That's one way to look at it. The other way you look at it, and there were some people that said that, so I don't think you can discount it. The other way to look at it would be the guy just never really was any good. Um, but why, why this all ties into Wilder and Joshua is because, look, Hellenius had got knocked out by one shot by Duhapas, who just isn't very good uh, after he'd been off on of injuries. You know, he was a real prospect. Emmanuel Stewart always spoke highly of him, was considered to be a real threat to Klitschko. I mean, for real, but, you know, he, he had injuries. He was off. He got knocked out by with one shot by Duhapas. That was his first loss. Then he got knocked out, you know, by one shot with by Gerald Washington. I mean, so – what I'm getting at here is so, you know, he picked up the two victories against Konatsky and we're saying, Oh, Hellenius, you know, he, he's formidable. He brings something. And we, everybody was looking at it a little bit like that, but it doesn't look like that's the case now because look at, look at Konatsky after Hellenius, he got knocked out in the rematch with Hellenius easily again. Then he lost, he lost the Demerizian, you know, he, he just he just got he just got stopped by a club fighter. I mean, the guy obviously was was either never that good or he had nothing left after that Ariola fight. So, what why I'm tying this all together is better look at this for Wilder and Joshua. I mean, what what, what was Hellenius? I mean, he, he, obviously the punch resistance was gone. If you just discount the Kanatsky fights, which I think you can, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think when you look at the whole picture now, we got to say, Hellenius has been done. Hellenius has been done for a long time, so it's not bad that Wilder and Joshua knocked him out, out with one shot, obviously. But how much do you take from that? So, I think if Wilder and Joshua are going to fight next, Wilder to me with Pell, he gave Fury in two out of three fights, has the better performances, even though one was a draw, which I don't think it was the robbery everybody said it was, and then the other one, Wilder ended up getting stopped. But the problem with that for Wilder is he, he took a hellacious amount of shots in that 
in those the second fight with Fury in the third. And if so, if we throw out this hilarious one rounder, which I think we do now. I mean, I love Wilder, but I just got to say, I think I think you throw that out. So, you know, what what's he going to have left when he gets in with a guy like Joshua? Now we did get that weight down for Hellenius. That's meaningful. So if he does that again, that's interesting. But it's going to be a lot different against somebody like Joshua. And for Joshua, I don't buy the confidence booster thing. So he knocks out Hellenius, and you know, with one shot, Hellenius has all the flaws that I just talked about. So what's that mean? So, you know, he, he looked terrible against Franklin, even though he won about every round, but he, he just looked timid and, and wasn't doing much. And then, you know, he showed some moments in the second Usyk fight, but he, he couldn't he couldn't close the deal uh, when it looked like he was on the verge of, you know, and of course Usyk's formed the one. And the same thing, I thought he was closer in the first fight than other people. Um you know, he, he was very tentative, even though he, he won almost all the rounds in the second Ruiz fight. So, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of X factors there with these guys. If they fight next, you know, if it happened, I thought some of these fights, like uh, I didn't think Davis Garcia would happen and it ended up happening. So I'm not going to say Wilder and Joshua isn't going to happen, but that, that is one that I, I still got to say, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I, I do want to see the fight like everybody else, though. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. Um, I, I understand a lot of people are already saying, oh, I wish we could have got it when they're undefeated. And, and that's 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 great. It is true. Uh, we wish we could have, you know. Now, we wouldn't have gotten Fury and Wilder undefeated either. We did get that. So, obviously, the combination of uh, – Showtime wanting it and DAZN wanting it. They the funny thing is Espinoza, Joshua, and Hearn had you know a relationship, a working relationship. What seemed on the surface to be pretty healthy, it seemed like they were lining up for it, and uh, both of them got large offers. Neither of them took it. It is what it is. Um, but to get it now, this is where I think social media and everything like that in the younger fan base or maybe just the more, not even casual, but just people that in the last 10 or 12 years really started paying attention to sport. It's like they don't, they didn't all just happen one after another, after another, after another, after another. Like there was gaps in between it. Sometimes they'd fight and then fight years later. So, I mean, to discount this fight now like you're not interested in it at all, I think it's just like, come on, dude, you know? They both now have a couple losses, too, so it's kind of equal that way. Obviously, their losses came from different styles and whatnot and different fights and stuff, but I'm really, like, if it happens, it gets signed, I'm really happy about it. I think it'll be a, a fun fight to watch, and I'm looking forward to it. And I think what makes it different in this one is they're not, and even Eddie Hearn just said this in a recent interview, they're not having the, to negotiate with each other, you know? And the way that's set up over there in the skills challenge in Saudi, you individually do your thing. And so they're not even in the talks. So, and I think that's really the only way they can come to a conclusion, especially for this type of fight. But we will see you know, how that goes. Um, any other items from, from the undercard? I mean, there wasn't a whole lot 
Uh, Herkovich, to me, um, you know, early on, he was kind of fighting that range. He was winning the early rounds. Uh, McKeenan, uh, or McKeon, you know, he started to come on a little bit, landed some solid punches. He was being the aggressor, obviously. Herkovich did pick up uh, the pace a little bit the last few rounds. Overall, though, you know, a real mediocre so-so type of bout. There was a big right hand that kind of slumped McKeon, uh, you know, to get the, that, you know, to get the TKO. But um, overall, you know, I thought he looked okay at times, not so great at others. And then the Chisora Washington, that was, uh, I don't know, you know, much to say about that. You did have uh, Johnny Fisher, or, you know, Fisher. I'd like to see him. Uh, I mean, he was on the attack from the start. Uh, and then later in the fight, he was at range on the back foot, big right hand to to, to land the knockout. I'd like to see Fisher um, step up, you know, no doubt about it. But um, well, anything else that you'd like to talk about uh, from that card before we get to Navarrete and, uh, and Valdez? Yeah, um, Herkovic, I, I just don't think McKean's that good. Um, so I do think that that lasted longer than it should have for a guy like Herkovic, who, you know, has a high amateur pedigree, bronze medalist, guy we expected a lot of uh, earlier in his career. We haven't gotten as much from him lately. Um, but you did see in it some of the things that Herkovic has done well in his career. I mean, his right hand's for real. He can really hurt you with that right hand. He He doesn't have a lot of punch variety. He's just kind of a jab right-hand guy, and he loads up on that right hand, but the right hand's for real. I do think it can hurt anybody with that right hand. Um, and you had that wild fight with Zhang where, of course, he, he was almost out on his feet one time and was in trouble on multiple occasions. But let's not forget, which some people are now, I, I can see when they talk about that fight, he, 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 had, hurt, he had hurt Zhang badly and had him about out on a couple of occasions too. So the guy, the guy can crack with the right hand. I, I think this was a case where he, he had somebody hanging around longer than they should have, but you know, he got the win. He did take some damage against Zhang. So in that sense, good for him to be able to make it back, but still kind of seeing the same thing from him, just a good right hand, not too much else. The Tresora Washington, you do need to talk about it in the sense of, you know, it's the debate we get with a lot of fighters. You know, these guys, about 40-year-old heavyweights, really from the outside shouldn't be fighting anymore. If they want a payday, is it is it up to them that they can make that decision and, you know, give them a payday, let them keep fighting? And, you know, I've applied, applied the same logic to, you know, PBC and Al Heyman when – He's had guys keep going. He had Angulo keep going for a while, you know. And and I go back and forth on it. Sometimes I think, well, the guy can make up his mind if he decides he needs a payday and where else is he going to get this money. But I'm kind of swinging back now. You know, Chris and I, you and I have talked about it. I'm, I'm kind of swinging back to it's not really a good idea for, you know, Derek Chisora and Gerald Washington to be fighting. Really probably shouldn't be out there with each other. It's, it's just probably not a good idea. I think some people don't get it 
I know when you and I have talked about it, you, you know, you, you get it. At least the point doesn't mean everybody has to agree. But then there's science behind it. So I don't want to necessarily say that either because I think if you look at the science, you do kind of have to agree, which is, you know, if, if we got people turning pro earlier, which, which you had in the old days more, but then they were fighting, you know, you know, too long. It doesn't mean they weren't fighting longer and too frequently. But, like, you know, if you get everybody moving at, say, like age 20, and then that, I'm not saying you necessarily could mandate it because you would have age issues, especially in the U.S., I think, but, you know, legal, legally potentially. But, you know, strongly encouraged, look at the science, like, you know, get, get in at 20, get your fights in, make your money, you're out by 30, you're taking less neurological damage because of the, not just because of the length of the career being shorter, but because, you know, neurologists are going to tell you that. You're not taking the brain, the brain's taking more damage when you're getting hit after 30 like that, okay? Brain's always taking damage. Doesn't mean you can't die in your 20s. Doesn't mean you're not, you know, taking damage that can result in CTE, things like that. But that becomes much worse when you get in your 30s and, of course, if you're fighting in your 40s. Um, just really, it's just not, it's just not good. You know, it's really not a good thing. Now, I know we can all come up with great fights that fighters have had in their 30s and 40s, and of, of course, we, we know all that, but this is just from the safety perspective where things would be a lot better, and then you also would look at it, if somebody was 30, then they, they would still be young enough to get on to something else, you know, if they made some money and, and hopefully not have taken as much long-term damage. So that, that's a me ties into a Chisora, Washington. I mean, it's just, you know, and, and like we, we said a couple of weeks ago, I mean, if you make the money and you can't spend it because you're, you're not able to because of neurological damage, what good is it anyway? So that, that's not, that's a fight. That's the type of fight that shouldn't be happening. And it looks like they're both like stuck in concrete, you know, like they were, they were walking in quicksand or something like they, like their arms too. Like it just, it just was, it just was not fun to watch, and you might as well have just watched like the eight minute highlight clip, and that would have you would have enjoyed it a lot better that way because <laughs> it just it was mediocre is being very friendly, and yeah, it was uh, it was it was a rough one. And sorry, you know, after the fight, I'm gonna keep fighting. To, I got 40 more fights and stuff like that. It's like, all right, man. You know, do you, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's fun to have, you know, you have the heavyweights in the main event, and then they had more heavyweights on the card. But, and you know, in recent years, we've actually got a nice little, you know, run of that stuff from time to time anyway, and we've uh, documented that as well. But um, ESPN had one earlier. Uh, actually has had two this year, and now they got another one coming where there's big feature heavyweights within the top part of the card or whatever, and, yeah, to me, it's just like, I don't know, man. It just, at least they're both washed. I guess that's nice, you know, so neither one can really take each other's head off. But like you said, it's like, do they really need to take this punishment? And, yes, they're grown men and all that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it was it was pretty lackluster overall. Um, but, anyway, let's go to more of a spirited uh, exciting fight. Um, I thought it was a really highly, it was competitive, but there was a clear winner. Definitely didn't agree with any of those 
folks talking about a draw. I had it about eight to four. Um, I mean, I'd have to really, I, I, I definitely can't five six round or six rounds for Valdez at all. Uh, and I, I went over it just a second ago, and it's like the farthest I could go is is five, you know, for Valdez. But I had eight to four personally. Um, I didn't think, you know, I wasn't a big fan of eleven to one, ten to two. But even if it was seven to five, let's say it's a clear win for Navarrete. What'd you think of that? Because you know, Navarrete, John, is one of these guys I can't quite predict right. I had him losing to Dog Bay. I mean, I didn't have him losing, like, you know, when the fight happened, but I predicted he'd lose. I actually picked Oscar Valdez in this one. Now, I was showing him respect. I picked him by, like, majority decision. Um, And also, I did get a plus. Down the stretch, I got a plus 180 on Navarrete, so, you know, some of the damage, uh, you know, didn't hit me as much, but I thought Valdez early in the fight, John, was looking for his left hand way too early. And then even when he started to land it, it's like it took him a while to land it clean. And it felt like he was in between, like kind of stuck in. He wasn't all the way inside. He wasn't on the outside. He was trying to land these big flashy left hands like he fell in love with his left hand again when he's got a good up jab. And he could do – I just think he could have won a a round – I don't know, maybe two more rounds or something like that and actually make it to where it's competitive on the cards where you'd have to be like, hey, I'd like to see a rematch. Now, if they do a rematch, it is what it is. I just don't – I think Navarrete wanted uh, clean. But what did you think overall? Navarrete, man, his style, these little nuanced moves that he does, it's, it's, it's very awkward to deal with. Yeah, it, it was th- – this one I ended up getting right. I was always kind of a Navarrete guy when this was first talked about and signed. Then I saw a lot of people making the Burchell analogy in terms of what Valdez did to him, and I was thinking about that a little bit that makes some sense. But then I just got back and I thought, no, I'm sticking with Navarrete, and the reason why in this case was this is the other example, like I talked about that Hellenius example with Wilder and Joshua, that you got to re- recalibrate your information sometimes, and uh, I think that's it's time to do that with that. This, the other one, this was another example of that, and what, what I thought needed to be recalibrated was I had been, when, when Valdez was fighting Burchell, I had started to get high on Burchelt like a lot of people, but I, I made a mistake that I, I didn't really properly for how offensively deficient he was. And the sponge stats were there showing that. Uh, he was, of any top fighter, he was the most defensively deficient going into that Valdez fight. And then there were some knowledgeable people that I was debating with who were respectfully saying to me, like, you know, you know, John, this this guy Burchell can't defend. Now, now that wasn't the majority, but but there were some people that were knowledgeable that were really saying, like, no, John, this guy can't defend. And I was like, no, you know, he, he looks like he's boxing better, but you know, it, it it was against those limited guys like Francisco Vargas and Miura who who were even. <laughs> just about as defensively deficient, and it just made Burchell 
looked more skilled than he was. And, you know, Valdez annihilated him. And, and Valdez all of a sudden looked like, uh, you know, Roberto Duran or something like that at his lightweight prime or something like that. And, you know, I, I, and when you saw Burchelt then get blasted out by Nakafila, I, I thought, no, this needs to be recalibrated. You know, Burchelt just is not as good as I thought he was and a lot of people was. Because I've never been high on Valdez, frankly. I just haven't. And so, you know, when he knocked out Burchelt, I was like, oh, man, maybe I got to give this guy some props. And he, he looked good. But then I was thinking about the punch stat numbers of Burchell and knowledgeable people saying he was defensively deficient. And then the way that he just got blasted out by Nakathila who, who didn't prove to be anything special either. Uh, so I started thinking the, 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 the recalibration that needed to be done that a lot of people weren't doing is take away Valdez's victory over Burchell. What has Valdez really done? I mean, the level of opposition, the performances, not a lot, not, not a lot, not a lot to catch your eye or, or get real excited about. And, you know, I thought outside of Dog Bay, you could criticize some of Navarrete's opposition. But like you said, Chris, about what he brings to the table, and I did tweet this before the fight, and then what I concluded was, but Navarrete is younger, he's taller, you know, he, he's got more length. He, he should Val, he should be able to handle Valdez, and and that, and in this case that's what happened. I had it about nine three, but where I might have disagreed with you just a little bit, uh, you know, you had eight four, so we're close there. I had nine three, but two of the rounds I gave Valdez. This is why I didn't mind the scorecards. I thought two of the rounds that I gave Valdez could have gone either way. I thought he won one round clear, but but two of the rounds I gave him, I felt like those could have been Navarrete rounds. So that's why I didn't. That's why I didn't have a problem with the scorecards. To me, people like you said, like you did say. I mean, talking talking about draws or giving Valdez five rounds, Exeter screaming on there about Valdez doing this or that. I mean, yeah, he was. I, that, was I, that was way over the. T- it's it's like he had money on the knockout or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what 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 fight is this guy watching? Um, so I was actually refreshed. Personally, I was refreshed because I felt like the judges saw the fight I was seeing. Like he said, that's one of those ones, competitive in terms of, like, during the rounds because it's not like Valdez yeah, it was fun to watch. anything. Within right. the it rounds, was, it was fun to watch. It was. It was. It was entertaining. Now, some people were saying afterward, and, and they did get some pushback, and I think rightfully so. Not by everybody, but by some. But I agree with the pushback wasn't an all-time classic, wasn't fight of the year. I mean, it was a good fight that was competitive, like in the way you stated it, but that Navarrete clearly won. Uh, wasn't wasn't that great. I mean, great fight to have on TV. I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, but fight of the year, all-time classic, we're always going to be talking about, nah. Uh, Valdez ended up taking a beating. I mean, his face, his face reflected what did occur. And I tweeted that afterward, and I'm still saying this one today. I don't need to see that one again. I mean, Valdez is a 32-year-old guy who's high in mileage. I think he's always been somewhat overrated. And, you know, he just took that kind of beating. That eye was completely shut. What's he going to do in a rematch with the younger, bigger guy? 
I mean, I mean, he he's not going to do anything with them. I mean, he's going to, you know, I, I, I don't want to see Spence cross two. I don't want to see Valdez Navarrete two either. So I, I'll be consistent on that one. Those are two rematches. No thanks. I, I don't need to see them. I don't think those. I think those are bigger. Those those are probably bigger beatdowns. I mean, Spence. I, I love I, I love the guy as a fighter. He was one of my favorites, like I said. So I always want people to understand that. But I just got to go with what I see. Like, Craig, I, I mean, he he did, he couldn't do anything in the first fight, and I'm thinking a rematch in that situation is a bigger beatdown a lot of times. So, God, with what happened to him in the first fight, you especially know, that, with that a counter puncher, awful. right? You know, a and, counter uh, puncher that needs to mess you up, and he's already got you measured up. That generally, you know. Like you said, it's quicker, and it was already pretty quick, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that that's just bad. And then you know, Valdez, his, his eyes shut. He's taken a lot of shots in his career. Navarrete, he's got that awkward style. Said, but in this one too, he, he he was he was jabbing better than he usually does. I mean, you you could see that was part of his game plan. And and I'll tell you what, another thing nobody was talking about. You looked at the advice he got in his corner. I mean, those guys were unheralded, and uh, they. Gave, I like the advice they were giving him. I mean, I thought that was a really good corner. I like that corner. Nobody's talking about them because they're not well known. And I'm like, those guys did a hell of a job. I, I like. I liked. You know, I, I liked what I was hearing in that corner. And I do say with all broadcasts, I think they are. Fi- and that one, they went commercial free, right? I think that broadcasters, one thing they're doing good recently is, I think they're understanding, you know, their their base is all hardcores, and, and you know, we want to hear what's going on in the corner, you know? Like, you and I, we're, we're analyzing afterwards and things, and, you know, you, you want to know what they're being told. You you want to get some glimpse as to what the, the in-fight strategy was, or, or what it might have been going what they're being told, what's going back and forth, and I think more of that, and I like that a lot. So, I was looking at Navarrete's corner on Saturday night, and I'm like, they're doing they're doing a hell of a job. I I like what he's being told, and uh, they they deserve some credit. I mean, uh, so good 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 job by them. And you know, Reynoso's not on as good he's not on as good of a roll right now. You know, it's like everybody loves you when you're up. You know, you get you get knocked when uh, something goes wrong, but. That's like Derek James is kind of well. They'll they'll be going up against each other, so we're, we're going to have the in the corners. We're going to have Reynoso and Derek James. One guy's going to be a hero. One guy's going to be the goat when uh, you know Jermel Charlo and Canelo fight on September 30th. So one one guy one guy will get the automatic uh, boost, and, and the other guy's going right. to be a little down. <laughs> that'll be a good. That'll be a good quarter. That'll be good on September 30th. We'll hear the the James against Renosa. That that'll actually be be kind of cool on the uh, on the corner front. But uh, you know, really good performance by Navarrete. I mean, the guy's fun to watch fight, and he he did everything yeah. he needed to do. So you got you got to you, you got to give him a lot of props on that one. And it's funny, you know, um, Valdez did win the body lands punching and whatnot, but to your point, 40 to 26, you know, he landed more jabs than Valdez. It's like, wow, 
That really shows yeah. you something because Valdez can jab, and this would have been the fight he needed to land his jab, you know, whether it's to the chest or stomach or wherever the hell he lands it, uh, just to, you know, try to contain Navarrete. And I thought there was times where he was uh, doing good upper body movement and pivoting and circling. But like I said, it, it seems like he was just relying on the counter shot too many times and wasn't really playing like it took a few rounds for him to have Navarrete come all the way to him. And I, I don't know. I just, I thought he kind of fought the, the, not the consistent game plan, but the way the fight turns out, or I should say turned out the way the jab down the stretch where it was actually in the 11th and 12th, you got Navarrete taking a step back and countering with both hands. I was like, Oh shit, dude. Like, this dude is really, there's just something to him, man. There's just something to him that's really interesting. Um, and for whatever, that's two fights now that I just, I've gotten wrong, you know, straight up. I, I got I got it wrong. Um, so, oh, what else here? And then, anything else from that card? Delgado in a snoozer. He did well, but, you know, he could have. Could have stepped on the gas or whatever. Any any other items? There's a lot of quick knockouts in that one. Yeah, not nothing else. What do you think of Torres? Course. What do you think of Torres? I, not to interrupt, because I'm just I, not sold on this guy yet. Sometimes I see some things he does that I like, and then sometimes he hasn't looked good. He, in his pro debut fight, he didn't look that good. But you know, the guy does have the pedigree. He's young. There's moments he looks good. Not not to rush him, but just for the reasons I've been talking lately. He he frankly is a perfect example, and thank goodness now that that they've signed Jalal off. Like they're, like they're talking like, well, you know, they might have to get it on again soon. Which that to me is what you need. Like, you know, they they just you know fought in the Olympics. I mean, we we don't. I've been saying it. You know, we don't need all these quote unquote learning fights. And let let's get Torres fight. You know, I'm not trying to be harder on him than anybody else but it's partially that like he almost can't even look that good with with some of these guys that they, it's just terrible opposition not you know because some of these guys are just falling down and you know it's just get, get him you know he's got the pedigree i think he's marketable um but, but let's just step him up i mean it, it doesn't have to be like he, he's fighting uh you know, Jared Anderson is next, right? I just say that because that's a top-ranked guy, being realistic. But like, you know, let, let's 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 step the guy up. I mean, you know, come on, let, let's let's have him fight. Let's have him fight somebody. You know, we're we're not, you know, we're not learning anything here, and he's not learning anything. And and I I agree with you in that sense. It's, it's a little dull. Um, so I, I need him to fight somebody we care about. Yeah, because some of these shots he gets hit with, he knows that it's not going to do anything. You know, so he just he's looking right, to knock right. the guy out, looking to knock the guy out, and you know you can create these habits doing this. You know, and, and I don't know. It's like I guess I, I, maybe they're trying to you know get him fifteen in a row or whatever. I don't know what they're trying to do, but uh, I'm and like you said, we're not saying put him in with you know the real big baby or or some high level. It's just so the the guy I don't know I just he just needs to step up the cop a little bit like you said, um, and then moving on you know we had some quick knockouts Gary Anton Russell we 
we figured it was, uh, well, first of all, he had his earring in, which was pretty damn funny. And it's like, wow, how the hell did he get by everyone getting in the ring without, <laughs> without the earring? Luckily, the ref caught it. Um, but, you know, he took care of business. I was really interested to see that, you know, unbeaten prospects, even though uh, Gabriel um, uh, Maestre, you know, he he um, he did have a draw not long ago or whatever. But, uh, man, to land, you know, he came out and landed the hooks to the bodies right away and, and, and huge right hand that sent Marshall, you know, into the ropes got up he was trying to fire back marshall and he probably shouldn't have been doing that but these right hands and left hooks and i mean it was uh in that ref i mean marshall was done uh the ref didn't do that great of a job there but i was looking forward to that fight because i thought this was gonna be a real test and uh obviously too much of a test and then you had emmanuel rodriguez you know really doing his thing uh, fairly easy, was able to land, what, or score three knockdowns in that last little bit. What would you think? Like I said, there wasn't much to this card per se, but uh, any any thoughts there? Yeah. Uh, first, I just picked up with what you said because I didn't think it matters on this one. And I'm losing you a little bit here. Oh, there we okay, go. I can hear uh, you again. Yeah, I gotcha. with boxing gold with boxing gold structure, you know, which we still have part going on, like you know, Showtime Premium Cable, you know, on your cable subscription. This isn't this wasn't a, a premium cable level card, but and this is definitely not making excuses for that. But I think what we're heading to, Chris, is is what you talked about a few months ago. I mean, they already are, but I mean, it, it's where it's going, like. You know, Showtime's you're going to be able to get that deal with Paramount Plus. You know, you and I have always agreed. I mean, you know, at least Showtime, you got all programming and things, unlike a DAZN or something like that. But you know, those those days are going away. I, I thought, as we've discussed before, I thought maybe cable would have some revival when people we're looking at like, well, you know, when I pay for all these apps, I'm paying, I'm paying more than I was paying my cable provider for the getting all the channels and some of the channels we don't want, but now nah, it's, it's, it's going to the apps. So what, what I can see like when they're going to be part of Paramount plus, you know, Paramount plus plus Showtime, I can see maybe like you're, you're putting sites like this on there, just kind of like if they were on like a, a CBS or something like that or like you and I have talked, like a, a CBS sports net, maybe not like always your high-level fight, but it, but like when it was like I'm subscribing for Showtime mainly for boxing type of a thing, like they should be better. It should be a better card than this. Um, so that's, that's why I thought about the whole card. I agree with you. you know, then the, the Marshall shocked me as well. Uh, for what it's worth, I thought Marshall looked really good in the first round. Uh, it sounds – funny now because of the way it worked out but I, I thought there was just even a couple of little things he was doing in there he, he's definitely not quite as big or as powerful but like I even saw in the first round a couple of a couple of things like you would see Hearns do so I was getting kind of excited about that but 
I saw just what you did. In that second round, I mean, Maestre just hit him with a huge right hand, and Marshall was trying to fire back, but wasn't accurate with anything he was firing back and wasn't effective holding on. And Maestre, he's 37, but he's only had a few pro fights, had a ton of amateur fights. But still, since this is the pro game, what was impressive, and he hadn't been that impressive before this, but he was very accurate. Yeah, after he hurt Marshall with that big right hand, he was very accurate. It, like, it was a good it was a good finish. I mean, obviously, Marshall was having a little trouble uh, responding here in his ninth, what, ninth fight, but uh, still... Maestre was really accurate. It was a it was an it was an impressive finish uh, for a thirty seven year old welterweight. So uh, and especially one who's only had a few pro fights, the finish was surprisingly impressive. Uh, very disappointing for Marshall and what I expected too. I I actually did think in this one I thought it would be in, within reach for Marshall to blast out a Maestre who hadn't looked that good and was thirty seven years old, but didn't happen here. That 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 was a shocker. So we did get the big upset there, and that was a shocker. And that was devastating enough that that's going to be a pretty tough one for Marshall to recover from. So uh, that and then Maestre at 37, he's got to move quick. He's already been trying to move quick, but huge KO there gives him a chance to. And I think he will. I mean, you know, with with PBC, they've got all those welterweights. He'll he'll probably. Take a, Stanionis, pretty, my guess, is next. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that next. So uh, that fight just became, uh, I think Stanionis will certainly take him still, but that fight just became a lot more interesting. So uh, that was that was the shocker on the card. Uh, I liked the way Gary Antoine Russell took care of business. I actually think at 140 pounds, he's, he's kind of being underestimated a bit. Uh, I did think you know, he was going to definitely beat Kent Cruz. I didn't like the fight that much. But like I say in this, you do give points. He got the guy out of there and won. He didn't mess around. He took care of business. He kept that KO percentage, made people want to see him again, showed he can work the body. And, you know, he's got his his brother, you know, Gary Jr. in this corner now. That seems to be working pretty good. So, uh, I yeah, I mean, I, to me – even though Kent Cruz wasn't the best opposition, I feel like Gary Antoine Russell's ready for anybody, you know, at, at 140 pounds. So as far as I'm concerned, the, the, you know, the best opponent they can get for him, put him in with. And I think that's what they'll do. But I figure he's probably in that group of, of fighters that, no, no, you know, anybody will do it for enough money, but I, I don't think anybody's going to be too anxious to fight the guy. I mean, the guy that, a guy that has skills and amateur pedigree who's got a perfect KO percentage and he's willing to come and try to take you out. That's, that's not the type of guy that uh, people are going to be looking to jump in with. So if they can get somebody good for him to fight, he's in really good position. People will want to see him. So real good for him. I think in the main event, you know, Rodriguez has proved, proven to be better than I thought. He's got some, he's shown some good boxing skill. He had a, a great performance in his fight against um, Russell. Of course, the the other brother, Gary Antonio, uh, that was a great performance. He had that one fight um, with Caballo that he, he, he really, that really was a robbery. 
Um, didn't hurt him or anything, but he was out boxing him. So he, he's on, he's on a pretty good run with his performances. But I don't think I think what we didn't hear enough though was this guy Lopez was not legit top ten. I mean, forget you know this was alphabet stuff. You got to make that distinction. And, and people that know better weren't either because they wanted to talk up Rodriguez. And I'm like, yeah, Rodriguez has looked better, but we got to keep perspective here. We got to be consistent. This was bad opposition. You know, this, this was alphabet smokescreen nonsense. This guy was not good. They kept talking about, I, I love Chris, you, you know, you're knowledgeable. So you notice this stuff, I'm sure too. Like when the commentators will go about a guy like Lopez, well, he's won seven straight or whatever, seven straight against who? <laughs> you know, I mean, you could you could you could pull out club fighters who've won seven straight. That doesn't mean anything to me. Tell me who who who's this guy beating? Nobody. So, you know, I, I do think Rodriguez is good, but there was not enough perspective about who he was in with. This guy he was fighting was not a legit top ten guy, and uh, it showed. It showed during the fight too, and. That's why he ended up getting knocked all over the place in the last round because he, it was such a struggle, really, for him. He he just didn't bring much to the table that, you know, he, he was still vulnerable right right up until the end, and that's really what happened. Uh, you know, Rodriguez has looked good and looked good again, but let, let's 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 keep a little perspective on the opposition on this one. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I think that's a good way to put it. Um. Any other uh, items that you uh, would like to discuss? It is more of, a, you know, a prospect-driven week. We do have, you know, what could be interesting um, fights as far as, you know, on the prospect level this week. So it's not a lot to preview and predict and whatnot. But any other items that you'd like to, to touch upon at all? Yeah, the main item that jumped out on me, and I'll just wrap it up with, jumped out to me, and this is a, in a positive way, was, you know, credible report that they're going to have Jesus Ramos come back and take on Erickson Lubin on that undercard of Charlo and Canelo. And it's a good enough fight that makes you feel better about paying for the pay-per-view. So that's a good thing. We need that. You know, it's all hardcore boxing fans mostly, so we, we really do need that. It kind of it does matter So to me. I, I think it does when that's your, your fan base now. It's not like the old days where, like Chris, like you and I are saying, or it doesn't happen much anymore. Like, you know, there, there's, not, there's not probably going to be a ton of fight parties for, you know, Charlo Canelo. Well, who knows? It's, it's two bigger names, but you know what I mean? Like, give us enough of a good undercard and let these guys get the exposure that that fight fits the bill for me. I think that that's really got a chance to really be Ramos's coming out party. He's kind of come out already, but like, you know, I mean, Lubin has really good offensive skills, but I just, I just don't feel like he takes the best shot in the world. And to me, that could be trouble against a, you know, a, a big 154 pound guy, like young guy, like Casey's, Ramos, but Lubin's got offensive skills. You know, whenever Lubin can hang in, he he's a threat and dangerous because his offense is really good. So that's intriguing. Like it, 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 to me, it's a fight where it gives Ramos a chance to spectacularly show what he is. That 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 he arguably is the biggest threat at 154 pounds, but it also 
you know, if if he's not up to par, Erickson Lubin has offense where he can beat you. So um, I think I think that's an excellent matchup there. So I, I was uh, pleased to see that. I hope that comes off, and that'll make that Canelo Charlo pay per view, you know, more even more palatable. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great look for uh, Ramos. Obviously, you know he was on the undercard, got uh, banged up, and now he's got a you know a really really good look. So yeah, I'm I'm and like you said, Lubin, man, it, it, like you, you put it really well. Like if he's in the fight and it, his chin holds up, he's a handful to deal with. I mean, he's got power, he's got speed, he's got accuracy. I mean, he looked really good in his last fight. Of course, you know. He was supposed to win the fight and whatnot, but um, I think it's a great, great step-up fight for uh, Ramos. Uh, you know, I was kind of looking forward to see style-wise how he was going to do uh, with Garcia until he got hurt. We saw how that, you know, Garcia got beat up on that card, but I don't think he would have uh, bum-rushed uh, Ramos like he did with the younger guy with a, you know, way more inexperienced guy he thought he could put him on his back foot and fluster him. And it, it definitely, uh, definitely didn't work out in his favor, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that fight. It sounds like it's, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. So that, that is a, like you said, a really solid goal feature and a good look for a, a young guy that has a lot of potential in Ramos. Um, thanks for, uh, making time tonight. And, uh, it won't be Tuesday next week. It might be Sunday night. It might be Monday night, but I'll keep you posted, sir. All right, Chris. Sounds good. That, thanks. Good to be here as always. Take it easy. Have a good one. Take care, Chris. All righty. We've heard from John there, great boxing mind. He's pretty busy tonight, so it was nice of him to fit in. By the way, Five minutes left of the live stream if you are listening to it in the browser. Um, 646-381-4990. Let's do that again. 646-381-4990. Number to call. We're not going to go too late. If anybody wants to join in and press one who's on on their phones right now, feel free. Otherwise, like I said, I'm not going to, you know, not going to, not going to go to you, so you can hang on. You don't have to hang up or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was funny to see uh, Gary Antoine Russell have an earring in. Like I said, that's not even all the way his fault. It is his fault, obviously, and his team's fault, but it's also the, the commission. It's like, dude, how did he get in the ring with that? Good eye by the ring, or by the, you know, by the ring, by the by the ref. Um that Kent Cruz, what did he do? Jab and landed like a nice right counter. Um, there was like a, a head clash. He would complain about a head clash. But, yeah, short uppercut on the inside, left hooks, uppercut, body shot, down. Followed it up with left hands to the head, and then that left hand to the body, it was a wrap. It was a wrap. I did give so, – so let's see Russell, right? A lot of, I mean, Sabriel Matias and Gary Anton Russell is just a banger. Now, obviously, we actually are going to talk a little bit of news from him later about him. Um, but, yeah, Russell, 
you know, he'd been out of the ring for a while. He, he got back in, got a camp, got an easy win. It's August. Let's see if he can get back. I don't know if it will be the end of the year, um, but sometime at least in the first quarter next year. Let's hope he doesn't do um, – because it sounds like his brother is managing him. So, I mean, he doesn't have a belt yet, so that's good. So he doesn't just sit on the sidelines and, and play the mandatory game. Um, like his brother did, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't, I, I just, I like watching him fight a lot. And there are fights at 140 that PBC has it for him. All right. Um, and then, yeah, Trayvon, I actually, I do think he, he did some good stuff in that first round. I gave, uh, my ashtray, my, 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 my ashtray. I gave him the first round though. Um, Marshall, like I said, I, I liked his jab you know, to the head and body and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought he actually landed the better all, overall shots in that. And then, you know, we already kind of went over that. Now, Emmanuel Rodriguez, um, I mean, like I said, how many how many rounds could you give Lopez in that fight? Not many. One? Maybe? Maybe. You know, I mean, <clears throat> a nice left hand here. Some jabs there, um, a couple nice body shots, you know. Um, at times, like in the early, let's say the first four rounds, he was holding his own. But it was Rodriguez landing the cleaner, the harder shot. Like the fifth round had like some spots of two-way, but still that fast jab, the hard right hands. Um, as this, At the midway point, it really started by the 6th, 7th, 8th. It, it became way more one-sided. And besides the right eye swelling on Rodriguez, he was doing his thing. Um, and I, I don't think it was from a punch, actually. Um, but, yeah, he continued to throw those lead right hands and land them flush. I think it was the left hand to the body that got the, the first one. Second one, he, he was hurt already, got up. Scored another knockdown. I think it was, I think it was a hook. Either way, three knockdowns. Emmanuel, I like, I do like Emmanuel Rodriguez. I think he's a pretty damn good fighter. Um, you know, I mean, anyway, some of these guys have looked good since him sparking them, and this is an example of one of them. And, and so, yeah, I mean, there's some fights out there for him. So we'll see where he goes. Um, yeah, there's there's definitely some fights out there for him. Um, so yeah, like I said, it, it's it's a heavy prospect weekend, right? Um, on I think, whoops, I think this is the zone. Uh, yeah, this is the zone. Wait a second, no, this is not the zone. Let me look here. Oh, it's BT Sport. So I, I don't think that's on ESPN Plus, but Dennis McCain and Bal- what is it, Baluta, something like that. Um, you know, that that's definitely a, a he's like twelve and zero, um, or something. No, actually, he doesn't have that many fights, does he? No, actually, yeah, I, I was reading it wrong. It was Collins that's twelve and zero. He's taking on Raza Hamza. Um, yeah, this is just, what is it, a 
some sort of youth title or some shit. I don't know, but I, I think, you know, well, let's see. Let's see how that one turns out. That's going to be Friday night. This is the one I was thinking about, and I do think this is a good um, prospect fight. Nestor uh, Bravo. This will be on the zone. The zone is doing more prospect stuff. We talked about how Probox have done that as well. Um, he's like 20 and 0 or 21 and 0, something like that. Taking on Will Madeira, that he's a good fighter. Like he's been on Showbox, he's been around a little bit. So I think that's a, I'd say that's a real fight. I think it's a 10 rounder. Um, I think that was that's that 140, I believe. Um, so yeah, I think that you know, let's see the the card on that, the undercard. Maybe there'll there'll be something that pops off. Also, uh, Scobie against uh, Carmona. Um, once again, this is that new prospect focus series. Uh, I think it's overtime boxing. Uh, it's it's from Atlanta, Atlanta-based sports uh, company. Um, they sign like they sign some fighters. Like I would say. Like, for sure, over 20, maybe 25, 30, something like that. Maybe a little more, actually. Um, so that's that has the, you know, kind of has the vibe of uh, Showbox to it. Both guys haven't taken a loss. Uh, I think, you know, um, Scooby, <laughs> I think Kurt is the name, right? He, he's got more power. Uh, but I, I like that fight, you know? Nothing wrong with that. Yafaya, this is who I thought I think was, he's like 4-0 or 5-0, right? Something like that. He's taking on Tommy Frank, like I said, prospect-driven stuff. Uh, that, that'll that be on Saturday. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I mean, it, it's, it's heavy prospect stuff. Uh, nothing too crazy, per se. Um, I would say the, hmm, let's see. Um, what is the closest? Oh, by the way, um, Michael Angeletta got a good win over, uh, Jonathan Lopez Marcona. That was a clean, I think it was like, a, it was an eight rounder, right? I think he may have lost a round or two, uh, probably two rounds or something. That was a good performance. I did want to, uh, I did, I did want to say that. What is the closest one? Let's check the odds. I think that. Because isn't money, yeah, money Paul's on an undercard of that, uh, of that Scooby, Scooby, and Car- Carmona. I think that'll be competitive against uh, McCollman or whatever. Let, let me check the odds on that. I bet you that's closest fight of the week, and I'd say on the cards. Yep. So Money Powell, who was Mister Subway, remember that? That was at the actually at the Armory. Um, that's Sean, yeah, M- McCollman. I mean, the highest I'm seeing is like a plus 130. So that that's something you want to keep an eye on. I think that's pretty interesting. Um, but other than that, you know, maybe uh, Baker can give Jordan Flynn. I've heard some people talking about him. Maybe they can, you know, he gives them something to think about, <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, other than that, uh, there's really, you know, it, it, like I said, it's a prospect-driven weekend. Nothing too crazy. Like I said, I'm not going to go preview and debate it and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, I would say hopefully we get some 
some stuff we can really sink our teeth in to and recap it and, and talk some good prospect stuff. This is from um, oh Evan Corn. Uh, the I think he's a matchmaker now too. Um, he he works. He's been working PR for quite a while for uh, Top Rank. Oh, excuse me. He said um, some fun facts Saturday night. Navarrete and Valdez uh, was the highest rating boxing match on ESPN Deportes this year, and the highest audience on ESPN Deportes since 2020. Loma and Teal, and that's not really all that surprising. That makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense to me. It does sound like in December, Inoue and Tapal, excuse me, Tapalis is going to fight in the Tokyo Tokyo Dome for all the marbles. Um, like we said earlier, uh, you know, both Richardson, excuse me, Richardson Hitchens and Jesus Ramos are stepping up to the plate. Um, we already talked about the Erickson Luma fight. I think that's a real deal fight. It's a great co-feature. Ramos is definitely like you gotta hurt Lubin. If you don't hurt, I mean he's still gonna probably hurt you too, but you really gotta you gotta land meaningful shots on him because he is so fast. I've seen him now three times live, something like that. And this dude's hand speed is he's legit. He is legit. Obviously, we know him as a prospect tender for a while. But as far as I meant to say, a high, like a, a really, a highly touted prospect, and uh, many people called him in Jermel Charlo a fifty-fifty. If we're if we're gonna be honest, and he got iced quick with just a perfect shot, but the dude is not. Afraid to step up, you know what I mean? It really isn't. I, I, I credit Erickson Lubin for that. That's that's a legit, and that's a legit fight for Jesus Ramos. Now, Richard Hitchinson is, um, well, actually, speaking of that card, it sounds like uh, Vostik will be on the undercard that the, the, the former um, light heavyweight title holder, um, Alexander Vostik, he's going to be on the undercard. There's a rumor, Andre Durrell, because he's kind of been, trying to find his footing back, um, you know, because he, he took some time off after that Viterbia uh, um, fight, where he was doing good in the fight, actually, but he, he ended up getting stopped. Um, and it sounded like, you know, he was going to, uh, well, he did retire. And now he's back, and he's trying to get some fights back. And, you know, I don't, I don't know where Darrell is. Actually, didn't Darrell fight not long ago? Am I tripping when it comes to that? I think he actually I think he actually did. Let me check really quick. Good old box wreck. Yeah, actually I, I wanna say he did. Maybe maybe I'm just tripping, but didn't he get like a stay busy? Okay, it was against Gonzalez. Yeah, it was a stay busy, but that for some reason I thought it was earlier this last year. That that's not the case. That is not the case. Okay, so Richardson Hitchens taking on Jose Zapata. I like this fight a lot for him. Um, obviously, I thought Zapata did a pretty good job, man, um, uh, you know, at times against um, 
program. I think I had the over in that fight. I think, actually, you know what? I think I had program by decision in that fight, uh, betting-wise. But he definitely showed up in the fight. You know, he had been on a nice little streak uh, since losing to Ramirez. Uh, a chunk of years back, obviously, and, and uh, you know, a fair amount of people thought he, he did enough to get a draw um, in that fight. I think it was like a majority decision as it was. Um, and I was a, I was more in favor giving it to Zapata than I was uh, Pedraza. You know, those two fights, or not Pedraza, but Postal. Postal. I, I thought I thought he did much better, or, or he did better. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's beaten some, some, you know, some okay fighters in that, in that stretch. I I just, he's such an experienced guy. He's now, you know, getting close to shit. How many, how many fights? He's got a lot of fights. So yeah, I like this fight. It's a step up. It's better than Montana love. So that, that's, that's a good sign. That's a really good sign. I mean, obviously Richard did. Richard Richardson Hitchens uh, thought, you know, he was going to get a different fight. Um, Didn't quite work out for him. You know, he thought he was going to get the pro-grade fight, but, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. There's not much, you know, not much, you know, not much you can do. So I'm glad, though, that he's getting a step-up opponent. I think that's great. Um Let's see here. Okay, so first of all, Bud Crawford victory lap continues, whether it's interviews. He just did Sway. Um, and Sway didn't have the answers either. Um, um, and and then the parade. We're talking thousands of people. I don't know if it, it – was it over 20,000? I don't know. It looked like a big-ass crowd. Lots of thousands of people. And like I said, the Midwest and just smaller, like you can call them big towns, small cities, mid-sized cities, that type of thing, the the middle of the country, Midwest stuff. Like we know Ohio has plenty of fighters. We know, like I said earlier, Michigan has the pedigree of so many great fighters. But the mid, there's just something about the middle of the country that, and like I said, that's why Nebraska does such a, you know, Nebraska Cornhuskers are such a big deal there. It was just great to see a city come out like that. Uh, they sold him some some land for like a dollar, and he's going to open up a gym. I mean, that's, that's fucking great, man. So, shouts out to Bud. Now, it's pretty funny, dude, because Gervonta Davis, they said this on the Breakfast Club, if I remember correctly, but Gervonta Davis was on, I believe it was Chicken Talk, right? This is a while ago, too. And this is kind of nowadays media. Like, you're not getting – you can literally just play the tape a couple more seconds, and he says, I'm just fucking around. I'm just kidding. You know, someone said, oh, you're going to take him on this? He said, nah, dude, I'm going to take him on this, you know? And he was saying his chin soft or whatever. You know, he's saying he could stop him in, in six rounds or whatever he said. But to be fair, at least play the whole fucking tape and talk about it. Like talk, like mention, he said he was kidding, but hey, 
he was joking around. The shit's not that funny. You know, that type of thing. Uh, but, of course, we're not going to get that. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of people talking about, you know, Gervonta going up to 47. Bud said he doesn't want boots. There's no point in fighting boots. I mean, that is the nature of the business. Once you get in the spot, especially when you're well into your 30s, you're only looking for big fights at this time. So a lot of people now all of a sudden, oh, he's ducking boots. You know, he's ducking this guy. It's like, that's the nature of the beast, dude. I mean, it is what it is, you know. Um, but I don't, I don't blame him. I also don't blame him for saying, hey, he said he didn't want to fight boots. But he, he'll he'll fight Gervonta, you know? It's like, I mean, that shit would be monster. That would be a big, big, big fight. Um, but I just don't see it. I don't see it. I don't think they put him right in with him. No, no fucking way. First of all, it sounds like he's going to fight Spence anyway, but he did say in the rematch, but Crawford said that's the only fight at uh, 47 that, I'm, that I'd be willing to stay at 47 and fight. That shit ain't Plus, they they probably put him in, you know, they probably put Javante in with Thurman before they, they put him in there just to, you know, test the waters. But I just don't see it. Anyway, shouts out to Bud for the victory lap, dude. It, it's a great, it's a lovely thing to see. I don't, I don't, I don't care what people say. That shit's fun to watch, man. Like I said, he, uh, for so long, you know, he had been unpromoted or under-promoted because they didn't have opposition for him. And the biggest guy they had was Pacquiao, and he unfortunately trusted top rank too much on that. And, he, you know, we know that a lot of people now, because he beat him up so bad, Crawford talking about beating up Spence so bad, I mean, we all know past, past the third round, that shit wasn't competitive anymore, you know? Um but, you know, it, it, it's, just, it's just funny how now, oh, see, this is why they want, do want to do it. Dude, it goes both ways, though. First of all, well, you know what? I'm not even going to get into it. I'm not even going to get into it. I've said this a million times. Um, it's just, you know, Spence said it to his face. He's going to wrap up these belts, and then we're going to fight. That's what happened. You know, they could have fought Thurman or moved up to 54 if they were really in the business of ducking Bud. To just look at it from one side, it's just it shows your bias, right? But also, no pressure on Bud for re-signing, even though Pacquiao signed with the PBC. Like it just it's silly. The shit happened. He kicked his ass. It is what it is. Let's see the rematch. I don't know if it'll happen, but and I'm not saying let's see the rematch like he's gonna win. Uh, Spence, that's that's not what I'm saying. Uh, we do have some other news. Um, Shouts out to A-Side Boxing Talk. He uh, was talking to David Benavidez. And two things. One, he said the Andre fight, according to David here, and like I said, A-Side Boxing Talk, 90% finished. It's looking damn good. Now, I'm not a big fan of it's almost done, it's this, it's that, but it's not like we've this has been going on for you know four to six months and we're hearing oh it's almost done it's just, you know we've heard some reports now we you know they asked him about the report he said it's it's getting close I don't want to sit here and tell you it's done though but it's looking like that's the next opponent 
Now, we kind of knew that was the case, and I love that fight. I think it's a great fight. I'm glad Andre is getting a real deal opponent. It is pretty crazy that he went to the zone and, and couldn't be on that first fight that he had. Uh, I think it was his first fight. It would have been his first fight on the zone. Maybe I'm wrong. With Billy Joe Saunders, that shit went, you know, they never revisited that. And obviously, you know, he didn't get Jacobs or um, Canelo or Triple G, any, anyone over there. Um, so that sucked for him. But in his second fight with the PBC to get Benavides, that's awesome. And before he gets too damn old, where we start to see him in the ring going, man, he's not the same. I'm so glad he's getting this fight because I believe this fight will happen. And on the flip side, David Benavides, he's not just all, you know, kicking rocks with his head down, pissed that he's not getting the Canelo fight. You want me to fight Plant? I fought Plant. Okay. I got to keep, oh, I got to keep my career going. Fuck it. I'm fighting Andre. I mean, that's a good ass fight. That's a, that's a tougher fight, in my opinion, than Plant. And it, it's a, it's a guy that's fucking, he's crafty, dude. He's a big dude. I like to fight a lot. I like to fight a lot. Andre can spoil all of Benavidez's plans. I favor Benavidez, but that's a damn good fight. So that let's hope that gets over. But the other thing that we heard from the A-side interview, he talked about how the talks broke off with Jaime Munguia. And it sounds like they even, now this is, I always like to add the context. This is David Benavidez's side. Now, at least it's not Samson Boxing talking about it, because who the fuck knows? Um, Shouts out to Samson. But it is funny. You know, he'll say some shit. But it sounds like they even gave him 50-50. The fight was going to happen on Showtime, but they were giving him a 50-50. And my guess is how these things have gone, you know, people, like to talk, the, the usual suspects love to talk about the, the quote unquote PBC contracts, right? But uh, when they did a deal with Wilder and you know the second fight and the third fight with Wilder and Fury, it was 60 40 to the winner. They did the Crawford Spence, it's 60 40 to the winner. I'm guessing it was going to be 60 40 and impossible to the winner. I don't know, but either way, giving them 50 50, which I think that's legit. And it sounds like, you know, down the stretch of the negotiations, they thought they had it in the bag. And his people, Jaime Munguia, that side, pulled out. Now, like I said, this is the Benavides side, but we haven't heard a bunch of – this interview has been out for a little while. And we haven't heard the rush to be like, no, dude, that's bullshit. They didn't want the fight, blah, blah. We haven't even heard any of that. So – is, is that now potentially two fights that were right there? I mean, the manager and the fighter agreed to terms last time. Did they agree to terms this time? And, you know, Golden Boy pulled them out? I have no clue. I have no clue, but fucking A, dude. Like, that's, that's, that's not a good look. Um, this is Dan Raphael, some, uh, somewhat breaking news today anyway. Junior middleweight Charles Conwell, who the WBC number one contender, uh, they're finally him and Luda Bella, his career long promoter, are finalizing a separation agreement that will make Conwell a free agent. 
per source with knowledge of the situation. At 54, we know who he should sign with at 54. Um, even if Charlo doesn't come back, guess what? They got a new crop coming up. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just hope the best for Conwell. Damn good fighter. Um, it's just been lost. You know, the politics of boxing, he's, you know, it is what it is. He's, uh, you know, high risk, low reward. This is from Jake Donovan. He said, sad news for the purse bin head. Um, there's a delay with the Matias and Ergashev purse bid. As um, representatives for both sides requested and were granted a one-week extension, it is believed that the deal will be reached within the next seven days. Like that fight, really like that fight. Hopefully, they can get that puppy across the line. Because I, I would, like I said, I would really like that fight. Okay, this is some weird shit. So Mayweather, talking to Fight Height, said, you know, he's got this Moten. I think it's Kermel Moten. He's, a, he's like 17 years old. Uh, prospect. about or not, Well, you know, he hasn't even, he's about to be a prospect. He's an amateur, about to turn prospect. Um, about to be a pro, I should say. Mayweather was like, dude, Lee Wood, uh, you know, we can put him in first fight. My guy 0-0 zero zero, will take the fight. I'll put all the money up for both sides. My guy's 17. He's destined to be great. Remember I told you that. That's what he said. Now, <laughs> you know, Lee Wood came back. He said, he said Floyd Mayweather, uh, you're closer to my age than your prospect is to me. I'll give you a few, I'll give you a few pounds away to dance with a great, have you ever been to city ground? That, that shit ain't happening to city ground, sorry. But, no, that is kind of funny <laughs> that he did it. But, you know, that's just Floyd talking. Um We'll see how good this kid is, though. Uh, so this is Sky Sports. Deontay Wilder's manager, Shelly Finkel, has stated that he's optimistic a deal could be done uh, to finalize the Anthony Joshua fight for early 2024. Um, you know, I, uh, I don't know. You know, <laughs> I just hope so, man. I, I hope. I hope I hope we can Oscar De La Hoya had a video. Looks like I think he was on a plane. Fight announcements coming soon. Virgil Ortiz, Ryan Garcia, Jaime Munguia, and Alex Rocha. All have announcements coming soon for their fights. Um there was a uh there was actually a, fi- a filing made with the court today. That was yesterday, August 14th, show that Ryan Garcia is being represented by attorneys from the firm Paul Hastings. Um, you know, I-, I don't know where that's going. I'll be honest. I really, I really don't know. I'm not really sure where we're going with that. Um, Jake Paul. Okay, this is Jake Paul's stuff. This is his post. Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz has done double the pay-per-views that Jake Paul and Fury did. Twice the residence, wait, two times residential pay-per-view buys in the U.S., even though it was priced 20% higher than Fury. Five times commercial pay-per-view revenue in the U.S. <clears throat> it did good at the gate. I did say that, but the thing is, we don't know what that other one did. So it's kind of it's like, kind of funky. 
you know, when we don't know, why don't you just say the fucking numbers, you know, I don't know, I don't know, um, so Anthony Joshua was asked about the potential fight with Wilder after knocking out Hellenius, he said, my back, is there a doctor in here, my back's gone because I've been carrying the heavyweight division, um, <laughs> he, uh, he actually, he actually said that, um, actually Eddie Hearn was like, hold on, your back's, your back's hurt? What's going on? Like, he actually fell for the little joke at the start. Uh, there's been a lot of talk. This is also, you know, speaking of catch weights and shit, we've seen anyway at some point wanting to come up and fight fight Gervonta at 35. I just talked about Gervonta and Crawford. Crawford said he'd fight Canelo Alvarez at a catch weight of 158 or 160. Um, and today, you know, it was like, nah, dude. Canelo's like, dude, I'm not going to get any credit for that. Just He basically said the same thing. This is what he said. He said what Crawford said about Gervonta, that's, that's, that's the issue. Plus, he's not going to drop that much weight. Crawford did say in the Breakfast Club, though, you know, about that, Gervonta Davis said, no knock to tank, but there's definitely levels. If he thinks he's going to knock Terrence Crawford out, he can, he's got another thing coming. I, I'd stay at 47. That's a big money fight, but nobody's giving me credit. Five, he's 5'5", five, five, he's a little guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is, it is what it is. Now, there is a little bit more to talk about with this Regis Progress stuff. Now, it sounds like you know, last week we talked about the date and how um, Haney said this guy doesn't want to, you know, doesn't want to move the date because it's going to go head up with uh, the Fury fight, Ngannou and Fury. And it's like, and Regis was like, that's not the date I'm talking about. And he also said something in, in that fight height, um, uh, interview. I've heard Eddie Hearn talk multiple times in interviews and he never denied it. Um, he said that the way this fight was brought to him once they got the money right was that Haney already is on board. Now, whether that means he actually thought he signed or not, he was kind of back and forth with that. But, um, you know, that would be kind of messed up, you know. That would be kind of that would be kind of messed up, but yeah, I don't I don't I don't know about that. Someone said it was a vicious body shot for Albert Bell. Yeah, yeah, I talked about that. That was that was a nasty shot. That was definitely a nasty shot. I, I liked what I saw of that. I do think Maestre and Stanionis will be next. I think that's uh, I think that'll happen. I, I definitely do. Um. Oh, yeah. So, actually, and Jake Donovan uh, pointed this out. Now um, now that Rodriguez has, you know, a title that he wants, um, he's the fifth active major titleist for Puerto Rico. So, that's good. They were on that, you know, they were on that kind of bad streak there for a while. So, that, that is cool. I like that. That's uh, that happened. Um, okay. So, And also, wait a second, first round, then a dancer. Oh, David Lopez, yeah, yeah, someone said David Lopez. 
I did see that. Um, and this is Wilder's trainer on the Joshua fight. The deal's almost done. Here we go with the almost. Uh, I think both should be in the ring with each other regardless. Performance-wise, win, lose, or draw, they should be in the ring. Uh, it would be a tragedy, blah, blah, blah. This is what Malik Scott says in Sky Sports. The January thing is locked in, as locked in as it's going to be. So, um, you know, like I said, let's hope. Let's hope. Now, speaking of heavyweights, Bob Arum, we're going to go over a couple things Bob Arum said. This is from <clears throat> Steve Jim. Bob Arum insists that they will revisit Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usyk uh, and try to make the undisputed if both guys, you know, obviously come through their fights. Pause. So, um, you know, by the way, that Richard Hitchinson fight is in Orlando. Eddie Hearn, though, talked to Talk Sport. He has revealed the Saudi Arabia reps are now in London. This is before the fight. And they're going to finalize the fight. Everyone's desperate to make the fight. It's on the Saudis to make sure we finally get the final contracts and deliver the fight. Which, you know, I can understand some of that, you know. And by the way, that, that, um, It was Nishida, right? Nishida, we talked about that last week with Rodriguez and Lopez. So Nishida beat Jimenez. Um, I think it was over 12 rounds, if I'm not mistaken. So it looks like he's going to be the mandatory. This is Lukey Boxing. Shout out to Lukey Pro Box TV. Zerto, which is Ramirez, obviously. So Ramirez. To return in October at Cruiserweight. Wow. Eric Gomez, talking to Pro Box 2, he said, King Rai, we're targeting mid-November for his comeback. We have been in discussions about opponents. One of them was offered, and it seemed like he was the front runner for more than just the Pro Box uh, source, too, Zapata. And obviously, we know he's off the table. We know he's off the table. So, by the way, you know, those... uh, Fires in Hawaii, man. My thoughts go out to them. I heard that Mayweather's been helping out, like, lots of people over there. Um, so, shots out to him, man. Definitely shots out to him. This is uh, Boog Williams. Good good follow on Twitter. He said, in a very important move, Frank Martin moved up to number four. Williams Zapata dropped to number five in the new WBC rankings something that we've been documented for a little bit. That means now that Loma is not taking the Shakur fight, and a lot of people don't think Isak Cruz will, that he'll pass on Shakur, well, number four would be Frank Martin. So could they get that fight, you know, over the line? Let's hope. Someone sent me this, another fight hype thing with Floyd. Mayweather's basically trying to steal Ryan Garcia from Golden Boy. Uh, this is what this, this person says. The quote is, when he was hanging out with Ryan Garcia, I'm not looking to sign Ryan, but if he wants to sign and he's free, I'd sign him. If I'm not mistaken, he's under contract. You've always got to make sure things are worded right before you get a lawsuit from a boxing promoter. Hypothetically, if Ryan Garcia gets free with Ryan Garcia, will he be with Mayweather or PBC? Absolutely. Only if he's free. I I mean, you know, who don't want to work with the best? That, that's, that's what he said. That's what he said. 
Okay. Um, what else we got? We got some other news here. Um, okay, so when it comes to Shakur, okay, he's been talking about this, that, and the other. Uh, here's a, a quote. It's crazy they offered this dude the most money he's ever made in his entire career, and he turned it down. It's, if that's not a duck, I don't know what is, right? I think he was talking about Loma because um, he said Bob Arum told Steve Gibb he, he wants, Loma wants to take more time off, so he's going to have to fight somebody else, Shakur, you know, for that vacant WBC lightweight title. As we talked about it last week, you know, they're allowing him to come back, um, Haney, if if that's what he wants to do. By the way, um, Marcos from Fight Hub, no broken orbital uh, bone on the right eye for Oscar, just severely bruises and swollen. So he's going to be okay. That's that's good news. Um, and here's, here it is again. Shakur said he welcomed a potential catchweight fight with Navarrete. I'm not saying it's not a good fight. I'm just like, eh, you know what I mean? Eh, I don't know. I'm not really sure exactly. This is also Oscar De La Hoya. Two, wait, two weeks waiting for WBA president Gilberto and the WBA to confirm Roley's return from his supposed injury. Our fighter, Howard Davis. Davis is his mandatory, and we will not step aside. Not about the money. We want that belt. Hashtag legal action. <laughs> um, and that's fair. Now, Tay Jones says Africa next month, but I think he means September, like the, you know, the dude they call Africa is a boxer. Somebody said this and said Wilder's fighting in Africa. Because it did have a bomb on it, so bomb squad, but I don't think he meant that. I don't think he meant that. Um, another thing from Fight Hub, Anthony Joshua in the Wilder fight, this is a game of chess. I'm going to take away Wilder's best attributes. I'm not going to stand there with my chin in the air and say, hit me. I'm going to nullify him. It'll be very challenging for him for sure. And, and he Uh, we're, okay, so the the whole this is this is what this is what Shakur Stevenson uh well not Shakur sorry Bob Arum okay this is what he said to Fight Hub Bob Arum said I talked to Shakur Stevenson I told him it will all come meaning the big fights take your time you're building up a tremendous record you're making good money. The dream fights that you're looking for will be there. Maybe not this year, but next year or the year after. Now, when there was a quote-unquote potential offer for the Haney fight, 25%, did that offer come from Haney? Did that offer come from Haney being the A-side, but it'd be with ESPN? I don't know. And here's another guy. These messages. I mean, Tank said he would KO him. Dude. I mean, come on. Not only, and this is Jake Donovan, actually. It's funny that I don't think he saw this. Someone saw this and they put in there. Not only 
not only said it was a joke, but he literally said it. Not only said it was it it as a joke, but he literally said it the very next sentence. That's the thing he did. So it's like now you could say, hey, don't fucking joke about it, like I said. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. So since December 2018, when Navarrete first felt uh, fought for a belt, no fighter in boxing has won more world title fights. Emmanuel Navarrete. 12 and 0 in title fights. And I think that is a damn good record. Okay? But let's calm down a little bit. Like I said, I, I fully admit that I, I picked against them. Now, I did put money on them, you know, on the underdog. But overall, because I had um, I had Oscar uh, Valdez by decision for like a plus 106 or something. And then I actually, the only person I put money on a knockout to win by knockout was Valdez because it was like a plus three three eighty something or something like that three sixty three twelve no it's plus three twelve I think that's what it was so I was wrong but don't get me wrong like you know Ruben Villa that was a that was a good fight did I did I did I pick Ruben Villa I don't know that was a good fight. Um, some of these other fights, Yoel Gonzalez, Eduardo Baez, that was a good fight. Liam Wilson really stood up. Good fight. Ever since Ruben Villa, I don't really have problems, especially with Oscar Valdez. It's great. But let's let's just put it in perspective. When you say 12-0 and 0 in title fights, look at after the second dog bay fight. Go look at one, two, three, four, those five fights in a row. Go look at those. Like, those were considered title fights. That's cool. But come on, dude. Actually, I think one of them wasn't. Now that I think about it. Yeah, one of them wasn't a title fight. I think one of them wasn't. Which one was that? Is that the, uh, let me check real quick. Is it the Juarez fight? I think it was the Juarez fight. The real Juarez. I don't think that was. Yeah, that wasn't. That was 127, both of them. I'm not trying to rip them, but, you know, Dogbo was good. Both of them, great wins, right? But then if you look at that five fight, you know, look at those five fights to Ruben Villa. Those five fights. Now, those get counted in some of this. So so that one doesn't get counted. But those other four, I mean, you get, like I said, everything needs context, dude. You know, you can't just, like, that's a good accomplishment. But, you know, and, and the combined record is like 131-7-2. Hey, man, that, that's awesome. And he's won a bunch of titles now. I give him credit, but let, let's calm down a little bit, though. Canelo Alvarez on the Dimitri Bibble rematch not happening. I tried. I tried. But he started asking for things, and it made everything hard. Then I thought the best option was to move and start working with the PBC. I'd like to have the rematch, but right now we can't do that. Now, here's another thing. And this is what I mean by not just context, but look who fucking tweeted it. Does this person have a track record of getting shit right? So this random turning pint, turning pint, sorry, the thing was cut off. According to everything boxing, and by the way, I think he spelt it wrong. Oh, no, that is right. 
Um, now this is this is not breaking news. I want to clarify that, but this is I'm trying to boxing Twitter and just nowadays is just fucked up. They're talking about this dude, and, and it started to spread like it's real information. Alicia Baumgartner has filled not one but two potential tests in a media scrum. Everything boxing reports that Eddie Hearn confirmed the news, but stated that no decision. Just this a bunch of bullshit, right? Now we don't make. My point is, we don't know, but they, they, uh, Boxing and Barbecue said, is this true? Did you report this? And everything Boxing said, no, dude. What are you, what are you talking about? You know? But people just run with shit quick. Uh, Fight Hub Espinoza has uh, said Errol Spence remains adamant that he intends to rematch Terrence Crawford. The one thing that absolutely the case the one thing that's the absolute case is Spence wants to rematch. The question is, as a team, do all his advisors excuse me, agree that that's the best way to go? And that's, that's the interesting part. Um, I don't think – oh, this is Canelo today. This is Jake Donovan quoting the, the stuff. I don't think I, I look good in these last two fights. I know why, though. I'm different. I'm ready. Every fight is different. This is a different fight, and I'm focused on it. It did seem like maybe he didn't take, you know, some of that all that serious, that last fight. This is uh, Jermel, and this is just very biased from Jermel Charlo. He said he believes Terrence Crawford landed a, a lot of be, behind-the-head shots, behind-the-head punches in his win over Spence. Farrell had a bad night. He was nothing that made me go, oh, Crawford's something spectacular. He didn't throw that many punches. I don't know why none of you are talking about some of these behind-the-head shots um, and shit that you didn't mention. I saw a bunch of behind-the-head shots during the fight. That's an excuse. Not only that, but if you want to talk about positioning, I mean, wouldn't it be Spence putting, you know, putting his head, you know, like falling over so much to where his head's just waiting to get hit in the side of the head or behind the head? That's, that's that's how the shit goes, dude. You can't pick and choose. But I get it. It's a boxer that's close in his game. So he's biased. This is uh, Ezra, Ezra Boxing. Good follow, by the way. Canelo said BBC is the best promotion. Yeah, I saw that earlier today. That's just hilarious. Um, now, he didn't just text me that or message me. I, I, I just uh, screenshot it. Um, and, you know, the shit that was said going into this is just funny. So someone says Floyd Mayweather versus Terrence Crawford is a hundred million fight easy. Bigger, a hundred million fight easy. This doesn't make sense. He said bigger than Floyd and Pac. Like if it's a hundred million dollar fight, that means it's not bigger than Floyd and Pac. It's not as big as Floyd and Pac. Stop. Danny versus Lara. This is that Bobby guy. Danny versus Laura must be getting announced soon because they put a couple of their old fights on the Paramount app. Yeah, I don't have the Paramount app, but um, I do have Showtime on cable. And I actually get, you know, sometimes when you see old fights, you're like, ah, okay. Um, so Devin Haney posted this. Someone sent me this from a, from a tweet from Yvonne. Um, I, Ivan, I wasn't going to call him that. Um, 
these three guys are the only ones crossing the street and making bank, doing so by making the fights that I want to see. And they put Haney, Canelo, and Crawford. Thing is, it's not crossing the street if you're a free agent. All three of those guys are free agents. So it's really not crossing the street. They didn't make a cross-promotional fight. That doesn't really make any sense. They, they went and signed with the other entity because they're a free agent. Uh, this is T-Bone. I will say, a man, this is what I'm saying. This is perfectly said. I wanted to have this on the boxing Twitter site. I will say Emmanuel Navarrete is the kind of fighter that controls distance very well and uses a lot of feints and in-and-out movement to throw opponents off. He then catches them with punches from awkward angles that they don't see. It, it, it's, that's, that's exactly what it is. Exactly. It, it, it's it's, it's got to be frustrating. Like, it's an awkward dude as it is. You can take a good punch. You've seen him go down. Uh, this is Lawrence. Bud versus Take is really gaining traction? Question mark. Bet. Let me get my assets in line because I'm wagering everything I own on Bud to win by KOTKO. Um, it's not going to happen. We all want. This is uh, Malik's fan. It's, all, it's not going to happen. We all want it to happen, but Al Floyd, etc., are not going to let the Bud destroy the PBC universe. This is like Marvel killing Spider, Spider-Man. Um, but when we say we all want it, I, I don't know about we all want it. I mean, a lot of people will think that's a mismatch. Um, but the casuals will go off. There's been a lot of back and forth with Ben Shalom um, from Boxer with Sky Sports and, um, and Eddie Hearn, you know, with the purse bid stuff. I, I saw him in an interview talking about this is from uh, No Smoke or No Smoke Sports. Um we got an offer to go to Australia, and we asked for proof of funds and proof of the government backing, and they never came back. That's why he pulled this guy out. Um, I don't know if Matchroom has ever even signed that cruiserweight Opatia, or if they're just purely messing around. These are just some of the quotes that were kind of going back and forth um, because, you know, they took they, that Richard – that Richard, uh, what's his last name? The Rickapora? Rick I can't remember his damn last name, but they pulled him out at the last second of a person. Um, so a lot of this, uh, a lot of this is just back and forth. I didn't get to see the full interview yet, but Eddie says that there was some behind-the-scenes stuff, like he talked to a management, uh, you know, and said, "Hey." Don't tell Eddie this, or I don't know what he said. To be honest, I don't want to. Settle. I don't want to quote. There's no reason why I'm doing that. Um, this is Ashy Knuckles and stuff. Ashy, a puncher's chance on, on Twitter. I said the media wouldn't question Bob and Lomachenko versus Shakur. I stand corrected. They're asking. Bob gave a bullshit answer and never missed an opportunity to claim other fighters outside the stable are ducking Shakur, not Loma though. Yeah, that's. That's how it goes. Um, Bob Aram, and this is something over the top. Bob Aram favoritism towards Loma while having a generation talent like Bud and fumbling yet another potential superstar needs to be steady. Yeah, you definitely don't see the same, uh, you know, uh, hypercritical, you know, stuff. Uh, this is Espinosa Ulysses. 
at Marquez fan, Ulysses Espinosa. We never saw Navarrete unify at 122 or 126. I'd like to see Navarrete go for at 130. Unify with Cortina, ideally Garcia within a year. By then, if Stevenson is still without a big fight, then a showdown versus Navarrete would be something they'd be, uh, that's a good call. That's a good call. This is uh, Adrian Delgado. I always talk about how good of a follow he is. Uh, oh, Shaggy Foster is one of the boxers at 130 that I'm having a really good – oh, that I see having a good shot at beating Navarrete. So do I. He has a speed, length, range, jab to give Navarrete fits and physical strength to hold his ground. I can see him sustaining long stretches of success for a W. Yeah, he's got some good, that's a good one. Now, this one, totally – I don't know what the I, – I, I'm lost when it comes to this one, okay? This dude – Valdez deserved a split. He didn't get beat last night. The other guy just threw a lot of punches with most not landing, but it is what it is. Navarrete winning. There's no issue, but the fight is very close, uh, in my opinion. I just don't reward wasteful punching, and I'm about accuracy and precision. But um, come on, he deserved a split. Like, eh, eh. Um. Ezra Boxing says, 10-2 Navarrete. Nav put on a, a lesson, no rematch needed. Unbelievable to suggest it. In this, Robert Anthony said, if they're talking about running back Spence and Crawford, that was very one-sided, then why not this? It was highly entertaining. Beldez landed plenty of shots and had moments. That's true, but the shit's in the contract. That's what uh, Ezra said. Yeah, it's contraction. This is Deuce. Shouts out to Deuce. Hope you're doing all right, man. Ruben Villa won like nine rounds against Navarrete. He just got knocked down like five times in the process. I'm fairly certain the brother can be outboxed. Yeah, it's just going to take something. And here, I'll end it with this. This is interesting. Adam from SN Boxing. It's a great sport when the unheralded Liam Wilson is able to hurt Navarrete much more than Valdez and his vaunted left hook. Valdez did land a few of his best, but Navarrete never in danger of going down. Yeah, man. The shit is really, really funny how that works. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Like I said, it's either going to be Sunday night or Monday night or some shit like that, okay? That's what it's going to be for the next show. I'm not going to do it Tuesday. Uh, I'm, I'm actually going out of town for a couple. You know, you got to enjoy the summer when you live up here in Minnesota like we do because once December hits that shit is going to pop the fuck off so I'm going out of town I'm going to get on the lakes and chill for a few days midweek next week so expect Sunday or at the very least Monday alright I'm out peace once you become the world champion I believe